0: My name is Kent, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, I need to confess to you that I have Christmas gift envy. uh, When I was a kid, I remember um, ours was not the house that had piles and piles of presents underneath the tree on Christmas morning. We would usually have a select few precious gifts, and many of those had to be shared with my brothers. And so when I talked with other kids about what they got for Christmas, they always seemed to get more and better gifts than I got. So I had a serious case of envy, and to this day, I still am envious of kids because they seem to get the, the coolest gifts, and I haven't been keeping up with it as well as some years, but um, can you kids help me out? What are, the, what are the big gifts you're hoping to get, especially with toys? What are the cool toys this year that you're hoping to get? Anybody help me out? What is it? Star, you want a Darth Vader doll? What is it? Xbox 360. They're still making Xboxes, okay? What are the other big toy gifts this year? Any Anybody? No? Barbies? Okay. Well, I um, found myself as a kid um, really envious of other kids because we would like, beg our parents for whatever the big gift was from the year. And usually we had a list. I don't know if this is still popular to like, cut pictures out of magazines like, right after Thanksgiving and start pasting them on pages so that you could start to see them. So I was hoping to get a cool gift from my parents. And it was maybe a Rock'em Sock'em Robot. That was big. These are 70s gifts, 70s toys. Light Bright, Spirograph, G.I. Joe... These were all things on my list. Evil Knievel crash set. Gnip Gnop. Remember that one? I was hoping to get one of these six gifts, and my friend Harvey got all six. I got underwear. You know the Christmas story movie Ralphie and the big gift that he wants, right? Uh, Red Ryder rifle bb gun air 200 whatever 200 model air rifle with a compass in the stock and how he needed to have that i remember christmas 1972 and the thing that i needed was an sst racer anybody remember those just so you all know how cool this gift was i actually want to show you the original com- commercial for the 1972 sst racer now wa- watch this cool toy
1: I hear it. Here it comes. The hull of power from Sonic Sound. Now, when you pull that T-stick, those SSP racers howl with power. Take that action. Crash them. Smash them. New SSPs with Sonic Sound. Super Stalker, King Cobra. Detonator. Kenner's SSP racers for 72. Now, with Sonic Sound. Each sold separate. I've got a new SSP. Sauvage. Okay, let them go. Some of the great SSP racers for '72: Scorpion, Hustlin' hoss and there goes Deuces Wild and Ramjet. Dig the SSPs for 1972, all with the new howl of power of sonic sound. SSP Scorpion, Hustlin' Horse, Deuces Wild, and Ramjet by Kenner. Eat, So. Sa-
0: Is that the coolest toy ever? SSP race with Sonic sound. These are like so awesome. So I made it very clear to my parents that if they wanted to be good parents and they wanted to do the right thing, that if they loved me, they would get me a Sonic racer. Not just any Sonic racer. I wanted um, the Ramjet. I think I got a picture of that one. The Ramjet. Isn't that the coolest toy you've ever... (laughs) By Kenner with Sonic sound. So I set them up pretty well to say that if they really were going to do the right thing, I was going to get that. And um, I knew that this gift would become a prized possession for me and that it would give me great joy and that it would sustain me through the year 1973 because, as you know, many of you, being ten and a half is hard and it was going to be a hard year. I needed a toy like this in order to get through. I did not get a ramjet for Christmas in 1972. I got a picture of what I got. This is what I got. (laughs) now as stylish as tube socks are and as functional it took me a long time to get over the fact that my parents did not love me because they did not get me the ramjet by kenner with sonic sound at christmas we focus a lot of attention on gifts on getting gifts and receiving gifts that is an important part of our holiday And one of the things that we think about at Christmas is we think about giving and receiving the perfect gift. You know, when that person really knows you and knows exactly the thing that you really want. That's what I think of as that perfect gift. And we spend a lot of, uh, invest a lot of energy in trying to, like, identify that. So here's the really good news of the Christmas story. God gave us the perfect gift. The God who knows us best gave us a gift that not only brings joy, but it also is a gift that sustains us because we sometimes live in a world that can be cold and hard, that there's trials and troubles and tragedies that sometimes come into this world and we need something to sustain us. God's perfect gift sustains us with hope no matter what else is going on in your life. Now I want to refresh your memory by listening to this gift described again in Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them in the glory of the Lord and shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David... A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Good news. Here's a gift we really need. A Savior has been born. And if a Savior has been born then we have to wonder why do we need a Savior? What exactly does this Savior, save us from. So I want you to think for just a moment about the people of God living in this day. People like Mary and Joseph, people like the shepherds. They have for generations and generations and generations been waiting for a Savior. They did not know the name of the one who would be that Savior, and they did not know when that Savior would come. They actually didn't know very many details about how this Savior was going to be delivered into the world, but they knew that God promised a Savior is coming. Now, you see, at the core of what it meant for those people of God to be the people of God in that day, at the very core of who they were as people, they were people of hope. They were people who had heard God's promises and believed them, and they were looking forward to the day when those promises would be fulfilled. They hoped that one day God would come and that he would establish a kingdom that would last forever. They hoped that one day justice would come in that kingdom, and that justice would come into this world and flow like a mighty river. They hoped that one day God would fix all the things in this world that are broken. They hoped that all things that were wrong would be made right, that the hungry would be fed, that the blind would see, that the lame would dance, that the sinner would be forgiven, that those who are grieving would be comforted, that the prisoner would be set free, that the outcast would be welcomed. They hoped for a day with no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more trouble, trials, and tragedy. This is what they hoped for. And they had at at the core of their being this hope because God promised One day, there would be a Savior. They had hope, but these people of God also had trouble. And if you understand anything about their history, you understand that they experienced just about every way imaginable for sin to come into your life and ruin you. They understood darkness and living in darkness. They lived in a world that was difficult. They experienced oppression and slavery. They experienced wars as nations rose up against nations. They experienced relationships broken and shattered as brothers fought against brothers, husbands against wives, friends against friends. They experienced pain and sadness and hunger and blindness and loneliness and discouragement. They discouraged darkness. They experienced darkness. And when these hardships and troubles come, they wondered, will God save us? Will God keep his promises? Is God really going to send a Savior someday? And even though the people of God have not heard from God, now at this time, at the time of Mary and Joseph, they haven't heard from God for over 400 years. There's been no new promises, no new prophets, no angels. No one showed up with a message from God. And yet they still hold tightly to this hope that is at the core of who they are. That God promised, one day, I will send a Savior. I wonder if they ever caught a glimpse of this when they visited the temple. You know, this was their kind of religious expression in that day. They would go to the temple seeking forgiveness, and they would bring their sacrifices along, offer them to the priests. And the temple was, in my mind, kind of a madhouse. They would have bleeding sheep and slashing knives as the priests would take these sacrifices and slaughter them, and the blood would pour out to pay the penalty for their sins. And after experiencing this sobering ritual, the people would return home and they'd be forgiven until they gossiped or they lied or they cheated. They hated their neighbor. They disobeyed their parents. And in these moments, the weight of their sin would come crashing back down on them and the darkness that was in this world would be real to them. And they would wonder, is God going to keep his promise because I need to be forgiven again. I need to make another sacrifice or God needs to send a Savior. And now, an angelic host has gathered outside the city of Bethlehem and they announce good news of great joy for all people. They say today, today, God is keeping his promises Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born for you. It is Christ the Lord. And then the angels praise God and say, glory to God in the highest. And when the people of God hear this, the hope that is at the core of who they are rises up. And they begin to recognize that God is keeping his promises. He is sending us a Savior. The Savior who has come to set right all that is wrong and to reveal the glory of God A glory that has been obscured because they live in this world that can be so dark sometimes and so fallen sometimes, so broken, so painful. It takes these people right back to the prophet Isaiah. It probably takes them to a lot of places, but it takes them to Isaiah 40 for sure. Comfort, Isaiah says, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. Her sins have been paid for. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and the rugged places plain and the glory of the Lord will be revealed to them. For the mouth of the Lord has promised this. The angel appears and it's as though the glory of God has filled the sky around Bethlehem. They see A glimpse of this glory beyond comprehension. But there's even more that comes with this gift. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all people. And that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone is coming into the world. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we have seen his glory. The glory of God the Father. The one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Word made flesh. God dwelling with us. The glory of God revealed in a baby, in a manger. All the fullness of God. The exact representation of God the Lamb of God, the glory of God in a baby in a manger. But there's so much more than that. Through this baby, the glory of the Lord is going to come and these people with hope at the core of who they are say, one day that glory is going to fill the whole earth. They go back to passages like Habakkuk 2.14. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God just as the waters cover the seas. God's glory throughout this whole world This is the hope that's at the core of them. But there's even more than that. One day, we picture this gathering of God's people coming together to worship Him in all of His glory, coming around His throne. And when they do, they come to the throne. And there on the throne is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And everyone is crying, Holy, Holy, Holy. And the glory of God fills the place. So that we get this description of this holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven. And it will shine with the glory of God and its brilliance will be like that of a precious jewel. And there will be no temple in that city because the Lord God will be the light of that temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives its light and the Lamb is the lamp, bringing glory to all of God's people. And all nations will be drawn to the splendor of it and the glory of the nations will be brought into it and nothing impure will ever end to it enter into it. The glory of God fills all creation, heaven and earth. But there's even more than that. One day, that glory that fills heaven and earth will be revealed in us. on that day when there'll be no more tears and no more sorrow and no more pain, no more sin or suffering or tragedy, on that day, we will be made just like Jesus. And the glory of God will fill us. I think this is why the Bible says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us one day. And the sign of that glory? A baby in a manger. God knew exactly what we needed, and He gave it to us. A Savior who restores all things to glory, including us. The perfect gift. Now I know that there are some people in this world who think they don't need that gift that God offers. Maybe they got Christmas gift envy. Maybe they think, you know what, I look around at the things that other people get and they get lots of better stuff than I ever got. Maybe they want a different gift. They think there's maybe something better out there and they have not embraced or accepted this gift that comes to us from God. For them, I have a little story if you're one of those kind of persons. Um, I did not get the SSP Ramjet by Kenner with supersonic sound for Christmas of 1972. But in the summer of 1973, my mother bought me one of those at a garage sale. (laughs) I think she paid a quarter for the thing. And when she came home and showed me that, I'm like, oh, this is good news of great joy for all people. (laughs) This is such a great gift. I'm like, this is like the most precious thing I could ever have. And so I grabbed the thing and it's got the little rip cord you put in there and to pull it out, so I inserted the ripcord, I pulled it out, the, the things, I put it on the driveway and it shot down the driveway out into the street and I'm like, oh, glorious, this is perfect. I ran out into the street, picked up my SSP Ramjet, stuck the cord back in it again, yanked out the ripcord and the rip card broke on the second pull. And I thought, this is the dumbest gift ever. <laughs> and I think about that when I compare... The kinds of gifts that God gives to us with the kind of gifts that we get in this world with the kind of gifts that God gives to us, the perfect gifts. And I think all those things that I run after in this world, those things I try to compile and uh, the things I think I need, they don't compare to that gift that came down as a baby in a manger, the gift of God's glory. The gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness of sins, the gift of the thing I really needed, the gift of the one who restores all broken things, the promise of God, that core hope that we have, that no matter what happens in this life, we know that God keeps his promises in Jesus. And the Bible says, the light has come into the world. And God says, it's a gift I want to give to you. God, we come before you this afternoon and we give you thanks for knowing us so well and for selecting that perfect gift for each of us. And God, I pray that if there's someone here today who's wrestling with what does it mean for me to uh, embrace the Savior, that your Holy Spirit would speak to them and that you would help them to come to recognize that uh, it's simply believing in that one who you sent to die for our sins so that we might one day know all of your glory. God, I pray that you would open each of our hearts to hear and believe and live our lives with hope because of that. God, I pray for those who might be in this place right now, God, who are facing some kind of darkness in their life and their fear is that the darkness is going to overcome the light. It seems like such a difficult trial or such a hard thing in their life. They wonder where you are and when are you going to keep your promises and when will you show up, God, to rescue them. I pray that even now, God, you would shine the light of your hope into their hearts and into each of our hearts. God, we thank you for this season, for this time of year when we can come together with family and friends. I pray that in the midst of all of it that we would have great joy as your people, that we would understand uh, more and more what it means for us to follow you and to uh, share this great good news with everyone that we can. So thank you, God, for meeting with us here in this place tonight, and we will praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.